Welcome back to Podcast Recover, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Wow, that was a that was a big delay there, Eric. Was it? Was it I mean you're really far away, David. You know, you're you're in another I'm, you're in another place. You aren't here. I'm in know? another area code. You are I don't like this. You are anyway. I, you, today we're ugh, go ahead. Go ahead. This, this isn't about <laughs> us. This isn't about us. This lovely guy laughing, that's our guest today, uh, Frank. How are you doing today, Frank? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Coronavirus free. Me too. Good. That's good. I, I so hope where are you this from, is Frank? relevant at that time. What's relevant? Coronavirus? Just, it'll still be relevant. It'll still be relevant. Out. Yeah, when this comes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am originally from Massachusetts, but currently live in New Mexico. Oh, oh cool. nice. Yeah. So when were you first introduced to recovery, Frank? Uh, 2013 is when I first got sober, but both my grandfather and my dad and my mother were in uh, AA as well. Oh, okay. Cool. So uh, how long have you been uh, sober? Uh, six and a half years. Hmm. Nice. Uh, Congratulations. July, July 5th. This is my sobriety date of 2013. Nice. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Nice. Mm-hmm. And with all that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your story with us, so take it away. All right. Well, as you know, my name is Frank, and I actually, part of my story that I want to focus on today is I currently run a recovery group for uh, Juggalos, and I don't know if your listeners know who ICP is or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically in, in my, in that, um, community, um, they call my nickname is actually sober because I was one of the first ones who started this recovery program in there. There's not, there's nothing official yet or anything, but I will be going towards nonprofit and all that. But what we try to do is instead of, I was uh, brought up in AA, so I was strict AA. There was, you follow the rules, that's it, end of story. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Mm. And during my process of recovery, I have found out that AA does not work for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen people get sober w- without any of the steps from AA um, and stay sober for very long periods of time. My grandfather, he's been sober for over 30 years and never went into a meeting himself. Um, he just had the proper motivation that kept him sober, and that was it. Um, so it, I was uh, woken up to this way of looking at things, and so I tried to build a recovery program that accepts all forms of recovery so everybody feels accepted. Because when I, when I walk into some AA, not all AA groups, there's some AA groups I have personally walked into and I, I have felt judged because a lot of what AA does is exactly that, is judgment. Now, I'm not saying all of them because I, I got uh, sober in Illinois. Um, so uh, it was Jacksonville, Illinois I got sober in. They have a wonderful program there. 
uh, Club How is uh, the group that I got sober in. Um, my sponsor there, I still talk to um, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, he's got over 30 years sober. Um, nice. And he helped me for, I had lost my license for six months, and he helped me get to eight meetings a week. Wow. Um, yeah, so he he had me going, and it, uh, even during the winter time and everything in Illinois, he he helped me. He was a huge part of my early sobriety to help me stay sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, for my my sobriety is um, my number one priority in my life, and I've it's taught me a lot. Um, I I did a lot of struggling when I was a kid. Um, I was adopted by my aunt and uncle, um, so I didn't really go through the system, but the aunt and uncle who adopted me also abused me mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, mm. So I went through a very troubled childhood that I'm still in, still dealing with to, to this day. Um, yeah. I, I'm in a happy, healthy relationship right now, thank God, and there are some things from my childhood that are still messing with me in this relationship that I had no idea about because I was single for so long or just lived single for so long that I didn't have it brought up to my attention. Um, so the, the amount of trauma that a lot of people work through, um, it, it can take as long as it needs to be taken. Because... Um, uh-huh. There, there's some things that I it just blows my mind in recovery that if you don't pay attention to it, you, you kind of take it for granted. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things I like to um, focus on is being grateful for what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, the things I'm grateful for are um, my sobriety, of course, me being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, this recovery group is a huge thing in my life because it gives me, uh, something else to focus on. Um, and it gives me a chance to help other people. And I've had people, I honestly couldn't tell you who they were, like their name or anything. They, these random people just come up to me and say, you helped me just by making this group. No, I started it like four years ago. I think mm-hmm. it was like a year and a half sober or something like that when I first started the group on Facebook and I, People have come up to me during the music festival they throw and everything where I hold the major meetings and stuff for this group. And they're like, dude, you saved my life. I, I have one, one guy. He's actually signed with one of the labels, um, ma- the, the labels Magic Ninjas. And uh, he's actually signed with the artist that we grew up listening to because of this group. Nice. So it's, the, the amount of positivity that this group has pushed through is um, quite amazing. Um, I lost my train of thought. That happens. So a little bit of the... Uh, I'll, I'll try to talk about a little bit of the, the stuff that I've dealt with in, in my sobriety. A lot of... A lot, for me personally, I am... I don't consider myself a, a normal male. I am a very, very emotional male. Um, mm-hmm. I have been my whole Me life. Me too. So my, my, my sobriety is based, uh, is not based on, but mostly focused on emotional sobriety. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is such a pain in the ass some days um, because there are so many things. Like the first six months I was sober, I had to call my grandmother because I had lost uh, one of the big things that pushed me to get sober. Um, well, that that led me to getting sober, I should say, is my mother passed away a year almost a year to the day of my sobriety date. Mm-hmm. So that last year of my drinking career, as I call it, was my downward spiral to where I just I went off the deep end. Um, mm-hmm. My deep end consisted of getting arrested for a DUI, domestic assault, and speeding 98 and a 55, and I don't remember anything. Wow. Um, yeah. And this is down the back country roads of Illinois, so anything could have happened. Um, yeah. So one, once I finally got sober, um, I had to call my grandmother just about every day or sometimes every every other day and ask her what to do because I, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't understand how to deal with the emotions that were coming over me because during my childhood with my adoptive parents, I was so um, emotionally abused that I didn't grow emotionally. I moved in with them when I was eight and a half, and I stopped growing emotionally then. Um, mm. So, and then the way my sponsor explained it to me was whatever emotional maturity you had when you started drinking, you started regressing. Um, at least that's how it worked for me. Um, yeah. as I started regressing. So by the time I got sober, I was like emotional maturity of like a five-year-old. So I was throwing temper tantrums and all kinds of stuff. It was horrible. I was mm. not a, I was not a good person at all. Um, so emotional, anything is a big deal for me. And I'm going through a huge emotional change for me right now. This relationship that I am in, um, I am more emotionally invested in this relationship than I have been in any relationship I've ever been in. Um, mm-hmm. And so the the woman that I'm with is only a couple months older than me, um, which is good because we have a lot in common just because of that. And then mm-hmm. she also has a nine-year-old son, and her nine-year-old son has medical issues that we've been dealing with for the last two weeks. He just had surgery and had uh, 20% of his colon taken out, and it... That wasn't Ooh. supposed to happen, and like th- there was an emotional roller coaster for a whole week. Up, in- we stayed in the hospital in Denver for a whole week in the hospital room with this kid. Um, you know, th- that's what we- that's what we needed to do, and yeah. I didn't realize how emotionally invested I was in into this relationship until that happened. And mm-hmm. on top of that, I just got back from a, de- a six month deployment from overseas. Cause that's what my oh, job wow. is. I work overseas, so on top of getting back from a six-month deployment, then dealing with the surgery and all this other stuff going on, I just, I just got emotionally shocked and I had no idea what the fuck was going on. It was, yeah. but it was, it was a lot. And it caused a lot of ruckus in our relationship. There was, there was so much crap going on that we couldn't focus on like just one thing. We had to focus on 16 things at once. And our mm-hmm. main priority was our kid. Um, yeah. so that's what we did. We focused on him. Things are finally calmed down. He's doing good now. Um, he's healing a lot better. So I'm very blessed good. and thankful for that. Um, yeah, man. so now me and my girlfriend, 
have been able to talk some things out and have really in-depth conversation about what's going on. And she's had trauma in the past too. So not only am I healing from my past, but she's also got to heal from her past. So mm-hmm. it, 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 the emotional roller coaster that we go through and sometimes we don't know what our triggers are until it's too late and then we've got to kind of backtrack and talk it out and figure it out and the communication no matter mm-hmm. what kind of relationship i've ever been in communication has been key um, yeah because if you don't talk about it then no one knows what else is going on mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what what one of the steps in aa has taught me um i believe it's step five um, is, is she in recovery? Uh, she, she's, uh, uh, she actually is, uh, she doesn't go to meetings or anything like that. She's never had to, but she, mm-hmm. uh, she's a former addict. She, she was, um, she dealt with pills and okay. that, that had to do with, um, surgeries and stuff that she went through and, mm. uh, she didn't, she wasn't able to recover properly from their sur- uh, surgery. She was, so she's actually in constant pain daily. Um, so driving eight hours is not anything good for her. So she's in the living room resting right now. Um, but yeah, so that's where her addiction came from. So she actually understands a lot of what I go through. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I went into AA because I was purely an alcoholic. But once I got into AA, I realized that I'm not an alcoholic. It was just my drug of choice. I am actually just an addict. I'm an addict of all things. If I don't drink, mm. then my addiction is something else. Uh, whether it's, so I, I, because of where I live, it's a very small town and there's not a lot of things to do. So you just end up getting a lot of hobbies. So I ended yeah. up doing woodworking and I own a classic car. So I had... I learned how to do a bunch of stuff on there, and then I started to uh, try to play the piano, and I just I just kept rolling into every kind of hobby I could because I mm. needed to keep my mind occupied so I didn't get all messed up in my head because there's yeah. no adult supervision in my head. So I mm-hmm. try to stay out of there. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous up there. Um, I tend to... For me, I tend to overanalyze a lot of things. Um, I analyze everything because that's how I learn, but then I get stuck in these rabbit holes that lead me down these negative mindsets, and it just it ends up killing my positivity in the long run. So it's, it's, I have to train myself to only follow so far and learn what I need to learn and then back back out. Because if not, mm-hmm. I go down this rabbit hole and I don't even realize it. Until someone or something happens, or someone says something, something, and I'm finally able to knock myself out of that that bad thought process, that yeah. thinking, thinking as it's called. Oh um, yeah. And I, it's it's been a very long process, and one of, this relationship has taught me a lot about who. And uh, I did. It's unreal. The, the progress that I made in six, well, I'll say five and a half years before I met my girlfriend, um, what, to me, I was extremely grateful and I was happy with where I was. Yeah. And then I get into this relationship and I'm like, holy crap, was I still that horrible horrible of a person? Like the stuff mm. that I've, I've re- realized since I've been dating her 
is just unreal. Like, I thought I was a lot better than I was, and I got humbled because apparently that's what I needed. Um, yeah. So, um, apparently I got I got too much ego and not enough humble, and I needed a, a real, reality check, and that's what the world gave me. Yeah. Um, so, but that on top of all the all the struggles and stuff that I've gone through um, with with my group and a lot of things, I don't know if if this isn't allowed, just let me know. Um, but I also do YouTube videos and stuff like that. I haven't the last couple of weeks because of what the kids been going through. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I try to do a YouTube video every Friday and get, well, get it posted every Friday. And it's just some random thing that's popped in my head about positivity and try to, try to give some more motivation to people out there. Um, right. and that, that's what I do with it's based off of uh, the Juggalos in Recovery, the group that I run. Um, if anyone ever needs any help, whether they're a Juggalo or not, Juggalo are fans of ICP. Um, yeah. But if anyone ever needs any help, it doesn't matter who you are, what what fan base you're a part of, I don't care. If you need help, contact. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. I, I'm all over the place. You find me, just message me. I, I'll do everything I can to help you and point you in the right direction. Um, and that, that's kind of what I do to, to to make myself happy is being able to help other people makes me happy. So that's that's what I strive to do on a daily basis. It doesn't matter how big or small. Um, yeah. And I know that there's been a lot of people in my life who have been there for me when I never expected them to be there for me, complete strangers sitting there talking to me about stuff. And they helped to save my life that day because God forbid, if they weren't there, I don't know what would have happened. Um, so, um, cool. Mm. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have much to say else i mean there there's struggles and i can go into details of all stuff but the my my basic message is just try to stay positive and if you need help ask for it because uh, right. life is life is way too complicated to make make a long speech about trying to get through sobriety and recovery because it's different for everyone absolutely I've met so many people that one thing I've realized about AA is they focus, they are a spiritual program, and some people that I've talked to are not spiritual one bit, and AA actually has scared them off, and they yeah. have to go out and figure out something else for themselves. And I, uh-huh. once I heard about this, like I didn't even know about this before I started this group, and I only heard about this within the last year. So mm-hmm. I've, my within the last year, my eyes have been open to all these other different ways of recovery. There's smart recovery, which is based on like purely scientific scientific things, and then mm-hmm. there's you know there's different AA groups and NA groups and different recovery programs and um, celebrate recovery through the church and there's all kinds of other stuff out there. Um, so when it comes to jugglers and recovery, we aren't based on anything. We are literally based on love and helping each other. Mm. If, if you want, you want to feel loved, you come and you make a post on Facebook or whatever. You come talk to 
any one of the admins or me or anyone in the group, you will get love. And that's, that's, I have found is helps a lot of us addicts in recovery because we don't, a lot of us don't know what love is. I'm yeah. not saying all of us, but a lot of us ha- have trouble understanding what unconditional love is. Absolutely. Yeah. Un- unconditional love is still, is still, um, hard for me to accept because it's only been a couple people in my life that's ever given it to me and it's never been a steady thing because of where I was living at. Um, Mm. So I know the struggle of trying to accept that. And I have seen addicts completely switch how they view things when someone gives them unconditional love. So that's that's where I try to focus helping people at is so they can feel what that unconditional love is like and maybe it helps them stay sober a little bit longer hmm. that's awesome man alright well we definitely have some uh, questions for you All right. and uh, with Eric's permission I'll go first go ahead David I know you're uncomfortable over okay. there go ahead Jesus you're a dick <laughs> shade just so much shade okay yeah yeah, so much shade. All right. Um, my first question is, um, and like what I could relate to uh, 100% was having that really like difficult childhood. So how, how did your like troubled, difficult childhood, how did that sort of lead into and then fuel your addiction? Okay, so the two, all right, so for how my childhood was, because of how my adopted parents were, my aunt and uncle, I mm-hmm. wasn't allowed to show my true emotion. I was an over-sensitive, over-emotional child, um, mm-hmm. and they didn't Me allow too. that. So I ended up running a lot, whether it was running outside or trying to run away. I tried to run away so many different times. Um, mm. And that's what pushed me in. That's what followed me into my adulthood is I, once I graduated high school, I graduated on June 4th of 06, and I was in mm-hmm. basic training, I was in basic training on June 6th of 06. I ran away from my, my whole life. Oh, and wow. that's when, um, that's when I got introduced to alcohol, and then I realized, oh, I don't have to deal with emotions at all when I'm on this thing, so I'm just going to keep drinking. So mm-hmm. I just ended up running away from the world by drinking. Mm. Because I, I was not the everyday normal drinker like a lot of people think, you know. I mean, I was mm-hmm. homeless at one point, and I had all this other stuff going on. Um, but I was only homeless for a couple of days because I had a buddy who let me stay with him, but I still didn't have a place of my own. Uh, yeah. But uh, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> um, Being homeless? Oh, okay, so... The I wasn't a normal drinker. The way I was a drinker was I would be quote unquote sober from Sunday to Friday night, and then Friday, Friday night and Saturday night I would drink until I blacked out every every weekend. It, it didn't matter what was going on. If it was a holiday weekend, I I would not get drunk on school nights. It was my rule. I mean, yeah. in the beginning, I would all the time, but as I got a little bit older, I made that rule, and that's what I followed. But I would black out every weekend, at least mm-hmm. twice. 
Um, so, and that was my escape from the real world, from all the problems, all the drama, all the emotional shit that I dealt with. That, that it just followed me all the way through my drinking career. And it still follows me to this day. Like, that's a hard thing to, to break, the hard habit to break. Like, Mm -hmm. in the relationship, we've had real, um, we've had things kind of blow up in our face especially recently and my first instinct is to just get up and run away like i don't actually want to but that's how i feel yeah so i actually have to take a step back and realize what the hell is going on so i can get back in control of whatever the hell is going on in my head mm. yeah no, i i totally get you and eric can definitely attest that i'm a very emotional guy as well yeah <laughs> All right. Don't laugh at me, Eric. <laughs> I mean, you are. I mean, you know, like, what can I say? Um, there's, there's, I, I think there's a lot more of us emotional guys that we tend to realize. But because yeah. of how society is currently, I'm not saying how it's always going to be, but currently we're still learning how to accept that there are a such thing as emotional males. So yeah. right now, it's it's hard for us emotional males to actually be accepted into a large groups of men. Um, and yeah. at least from my perspective, most of my best friends, I have a couple best friends who are guys, but most of my normal everyday friends are females just because they're easier to get along with because they understand a lot of what I'm going through. A hundred percent, dude. I, I agree with you totally. Plus, I was I had four sisters. So I was raised oh, wow. by women. So, so oh, yeah. like it, it, it's just always been second nature to me. And, uh, I'll, th- I'll throw a quick shout out to my bestie, uh, Carly out there. Who's probably listening. Uh, yeah, she's my best friend. <laughs> what have you got, Eric? What's your question? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're talking about, uh, which one should I do first? Um, all right. So let's, you know, you said that you were deployed, uh, for the past six right. months how do you go about um, kind of acclimating yourself to, you know, deployment and being in recovery and kind of, you know, you said you just got back. So being away for six months and then reacclimating into your recovery program at home. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a pretty large change and it, it really you know, is. And I struggle, I struggle with it a lot. I'm not, I'm not going to lie and try to, make myself sound good i struggle with it a lot mm-hmm. and this last this last deployment was really hard at least coming home because i had three days notice that i was coming home i was mm. supposed to be out there until june and they said no nope, things have changed you're coming home in three days pack your shit and leave huh so that's that i did not like usually there's a time period that i'll because of the group of people I work with, it's understood like the last week you're kind of getting in the mental mindset that, that you're going home. So you, you actually go through a whole mental change and different aspect of life is popping in your head. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to try to explain to someone who's never been through it. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, you have to prepare yourself because for us, when we deploy, we deploy and we work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, no days off, no matter what. Oh, wow. So I'm working 84 hours a week, no days off, constantly. And most of the time, it's it's hard 
Like, I have worked and done 30,000 steps in a 12-hour period. Yeah. That, like, we're doing hard aircraft. Like, I'm an aircraft mechanic, so we're doing mm-hmm. hard work out there on, on the flight line. Um, and to be able to transit the, the transition to get home so we're not acting or trying to get out of the, the professional job mindset and dealing with our family and friends, that's a whole thing in itself. And then a recovery, I learned how to drink because of my aircraft mechanic career in the Air Force. So yeah. that was that was a, a struggle to learn, too. But luckily for me, the couple places that we deploy actually do, not all the time, but once in a while they do have meetings. Um, right. And, and if they don't have meetings there, then because we're in the 21st century, I can find someone to talk to online through either my group or friends or I'll just email my sponsor or something like that. So there's always a support system that I have and I've built, I've built my support system to work for me when I need it the most. And that's usually when I deploy and my transitions when I get home. Um, and the transitioning when I come home, this transition, as I said, like I had to come home after the three days notice and then deal with the kid going to the hospital and having surgery and stuff. And I like, it was like four days, five days after I got home, he was in surgery. Hmm. So I didn't even have time to process what was going on. Yeah. And then I had all those emotions, like the emotions that came over me were, were so powerful and so deep. I didn't even know those emotions existed. I thought they were fairy tales. Like, like I don't, I don't know if either one of you have kids, but I before I was in this relationship, I never had kids of my own. I was yeah. completely single. I worried about my Corvette, and that was it. And mm. now I got a kid who I would sell my Corvette for just to do whatever I need to for him. Like that, yeah. never that thought never would have even crossed my mind. And then so that transition period is just, I'm telling you, it, it can knock your socks off if you're not paying attention to it. And that's this time is what it did. That's what it did. Um, mm. Wow. The, the, my um. the the thing that I've learned when it comes to the transitions, especially being deployed and then coming home, and uh, whether it's a normal deployment and come home and you're transitioned quote somewhat properly, um, mm-hmm. is you you have to take it day by day. You cannot, yeah. you cannot think about, uh, at least for me, I cannot think about what's going to happen in the future because that's a rabbit hole that only causes me trouble. Like, yeah. like me, and the, me and my girlfriend want to move and trying to plan a move across the states. Like we want to move back to where she's from, Georgia, in that area somewhere. And that, that's a, a plan that it's, it's hard for me to even fathom right now because of everything that's going on. Um, yeah, but you know, just we have to take it day by day and focus on what we need to do today. And right now, today, we just need to relax because we just came home from Denver again. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, my next question is, um, like you talk a lot about, uh, staying grateful. And I think like any, any addict in recovery will find out that, um, it, it takes a lot of work, especially like the longer you stay clean or sober, like that gratitude and being able to like find it and maintain it, 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 it's 
a difficult thing to do. So how do you stay grateful after several years in recovery? I trained, I want to say trained. I, my, when I first got sober, my grandfather told me a trick. Mm-hmm. If, if anyone's been in recovery long enough, I'm sure they've heard about the, the gratitude journal. Yeah. Um, what my grandfather had me do was for the first 30 days of my sobriety, he had me write down 10 things right before bed that I was grateful for. Mm-hmm. And the, those first two weeks, the, the first half of the month was hard as hell. I yeah. could, like I could not think of hardly anything. So I asked for help from him and he was like, keep it simple. Like, are you alive? Are you breathing? Do you have food in your stomach? Do you have clothes yep. on your back? Like, focus on the, the, the little things. And that's what matters. It, you, you don't have to be great. Well, you have to be great. You should be grateful for everything. But mm-hmm. if you're learning how, how to switch from the negative mindset to the, to the positive mindset, being grateful is, to me, the easiest way to do it. And because mm-hmm. it's simple, I used to do jail meetings when I was in Illinois. And yeah. me me and um, a couple of other guys went to the jail and did something. I actually ended up running a jail meeting by myself. And I made the topic of the discussion, uh, topic of the meeting, being grateful. And we sat there at the meeting, and each one of those guys, there's probably about six, uh, seven or eight of them, and mm-hmm. each one of those guys right there at that table in jail came up with 10 things they were grateful for. So there is no excuse for anyone outside of jail not to be able to be thankful for anything. Yeah. Keep it simple. Mm. Are you breathing? Yes. So be grateful for it. Be be grateful you're alive. If you're yeah. grateful for the I little things, it'll humble the shit out of you and it'll make you a better person. Yep. I don't know if you guys listen to Gary V. Um... Gary V is a huge entrepreneur and he's built his own company and stuff. And this guy is a multimillionaire and he does podcasts and all this other stuff too. And he, he pushes everybody to be grateful. If a multimillion, mm-hmm. if a multimillionaire who's in jeans and a sweatshirt tells you to be grateful, then if he can be grateful for something, why can't we? Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, everything that I'm going through right now, I mean, I don't have a lot of bad stuff going on. I just have a lot of stressful stuff going on. But Oh, uh, yeah. That's the, why. Exactly. But, you know, I am, I'm going to tell you, it is hard to say this, but I am grateful for this stress that I have because that means that I'm working towards something good because mm-hmm. nothing easy is worth having. Everything, including sobriety, including being clean and sober, including just having a happy life, it's hard to do. There's different mm-hmm. levels of hard, but everything that is hard is worth having. Agreed. If you don't, if you, if you don't work for it, then why have it? Mm. Yep. Mm. Perfect answer. <laughs> what do you got, Eric? All right. So, you know, I kind of want to talk about your program a little bit, and I know you, I know you kind of mentioned the basics in the beginning, but mm-hmm. like looking at, you know, I, I just recently 
went through um, the smart recovery program. I came up through NA. I am right now starting to read the big book again, and we'll go through that program. You know, what are you doing with your program to take from other programs and modify it to meet the needs of not only yourself, but also the other participants? So because of the fan base that my group is a part of, um, I have taken the step, the 12 steps from AA and turned them into a very open, similar 12 steps for my group. And I don't push the 12 steps on anybody because a lot, some people don't do well with, with steps to take. Some people just mm-hmm. kind of have to figure it out for themselves. So I don't push it like <clears throat> AA or NA does. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys know this, but NA in the 1950s actually asked mm-hmm. to redo the steps from AA to fit their program. Uh, so NA is actually based off of AA stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I, I just found that out, and I thought that was a fun fact because that, mm-hmm. that was really cool to me. Um, so... I, if you want, I can actually read you the 12 steps that I, I wrote, well, me and about eight other fans of this, the, the group, uh, people of this fan base helped me write. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Absolutely. Right. Are, I'm very curious. All right. Let's get my phone. All right. So this is. Um, this is my 12 steps for uh, Juggalos in Recovery. Um, right. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction and that we couldn't handle life anymore. Mm-hmm. Step two, we came to believe the carnival, which is, the carnival is kind of how ICP is because it's based on the dark carnival. That's their, their um, how do I explain it? They, the ICP is, is at face value is just a couple clowns rapping, literally mm-hmm. like they they paint their face, and then they go off of you know they they have this dark carnival and it speaks to them and all that stuff, and in a very loose way it it can be a face if you look at it the right way. Um, okay. So the carnival would be like the higher power type thing. Um, if you translate it that way, or it's just the community that you're a part of. Um, yeah. So we came to believe the carnival could help us screw our fucking heads on straight. Right. Uh, step, like three, <laughs> step three, we made the decision to not only serve ourselves, but also our community. Love that. Step four, we looked at ourselves deeply without fear to recognize the good and bad in us all. Step five, we opened up to the carnival, ourselves, and another juggalo, the shitty and not-so-shitty things we did during our lives. Mm-hmm. Step six, we were entirely ready to have our community take our flaws and show us how to make them our strength. Mm-hmm. Step seven, we asked humbly that the carnival take our flaws and guide us to the path of Shangri-La. When I say Shangri-La... What I mean is whatever you want it to be. It's not yeah. a lot of people in the in the community think Shangri La is a version of heaven, but it can be whatever you want it to be. Whatever may, motivates you to be a better person and yeah. makes you feel comfortable. 
step eight, we made a list of all the persons we hurt during our lives and became willing to admit our fuck-ups and change our ways. Love it. Step nine, we forgive ourselves as long as we try to fix our fuck-ups without causing any more fucking drama. <laughs> Step ten, we continue to fix our fuck-ups daily as soon as we realize that we fucked up. Yeah. Step eleven, the truth of the matter is we can learn on, we can lean on our juggalo family so we find happiness. Mm-hmm. And then... Twelve, having had our eyes open to this new way of life, we carry this message to other addicts who are still suffering, whether juggler or not, because every human matters. Mm. Love that. So you that that's kind of I've kind of used that um, as uh, opening to some of not all of my meetings, but some of my meetings. I kind of have like a how it's how it works type thing. Um, retyped up um so on some of the meetings like open discussion meetings or whatever i have someone read the steps or something like that um for right now that's kind of all we have um Mm -hmm. purely based on the program itself because at at this point it's it's really early for me to make anything else because i'm still learning about what everybody else uses um, one thing I am doing, and I don't know if this fits in or not, but I'm going to say it anyways, is I'm actually writing a book about my sobriety. And then nice. I'm going, I took, uh, took the idea of the big book and how they have personal stories from other people in the back. And I'm, um, I've been asking for other people to write their personal stories so I can add them to this book. Um, oh. so I'm, I've, I've got, I don't know, I've, We've got a few pages, a couple, almost a hundred pages typed up or something like that. Um, but I'm going to, that, that's one of the things I want to do. And, you know, I'm not looking to make profit. Anything I, I make for the group or have made for the group goes, any money that's made, it goes right back into my group. I'm not doing this for profit. I'm doing this to help people. So I honestly give two shits about making money. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, all right. Um, hmm, what question am I going to go with? Um, how do you maintain balance with your emotions? Because you talk about, um, a lot of that, like, volatility of emotions, like, coming through, like, your childhood into your addiction and then even into recovery. Um, it, 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 and, like, I agree, like, even my emotions, they can become unmanageable at uh, different times. So how do you maintain, like, your, your, your thinking and your emotions uh, to stay positive and, be, and grateful? Are either one of you Star Wars fans? Uh, yes. Okay. Have you heard of Both the Gray Jedi? Have you heard of the Gray Jedi Code? Uh, somewhat. I'm going to read it to you, and this is, this is a lot of what I deal with my emotions. I am a huge okay. Star Wars fan. When I was ill from my DUI for like 40 some odd hours, um, Star Wars showed up in my life again there. That was the only book they had available, so I started reading Star Wars again. And then that's actually how I view a lot of my sobriety is the dark side and the light side, drunk and sober. So I use Star Wars a lot for my how I view sobriety in itself. 
But the Grey Jedi Code is how I deal with a lot of my emotional side because according to Star Wars, the light side, you're supposed to have complete control over your emotions. Mm -hmm. The dark side is where you just lose control and you focus on all the negative stuff. Yeah. The Grey Jedi is right there in between. There's a little bit of everything. And this is Mm -hmm. what it says. It says, there is no dark side there, nor a light side. There is only the force. I will do what I must to keep the balance. The balance is what keeps me together. There is no good without evil, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. There is passion, yet emotion. Serenity, yet peace. Chaos, yet order. I am the wielder of the flame, the protector of balance. I am the holder of the torch, lighting the way. I am the keeper of the flame, soldier of balance. I am a guardian of balance. I am a gray Jedi. That there is so powerful to me because it, it, it explains how, well, at least to me, if you look and if you read into it like I do, it helps keep me centered. Now, I'm yeah. not perfect. I, I, I fluctuate every once in a while, and lately it's been a lot. But I always come back to my center. And that, mm-hmm. that's a lot of it, is just finding what your center is and knowing that's where you need to go when you have trouble. Mm. Love it. I know Eric loved that, too. Yeah, I, I really like how you're taking fandom and modif- like and incorporating recovery to you know reflect your fandom. I think I think that's a really cool mm-hmm. concept. I know David likes to use Marvel references uh, to yeah, back I up his it. recovery. Um, so I, I think totally. it's <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty cool that you're taking a community, you know, like Juggalos and modifying the core concept of what that means to meet the needs oh of my those God. who need recovery. Avengers recovery. There yeah. you go. <laughs> there you go. Yes. You, Run with it, man. Yeah. Run with it. You could do oh, it, David. It. You know, start. start I can thinking. do it. Yeah. You, you, you can come up with so many different things, too. Like, I oh, have I know. Guy, uh, part, of, part of the Juggalo community, there's a couple artists. And I had one artist who actually did a custom piece for me of uh, Yoda fighting a Sith and talking about Juggalos and recovery. But he also had the face paint that I wear at the Gathering. The Gathering is a music festival. Um, Mm -hmm. Yoda had my face paint on. That's cool. So I had a complete custom artwork done just for that. So you can, uh, the Avengers recovery, run for it. Run for I'm telling you, it'll be amazing. Yes. Rad. I'm down. All right, Eric, what's your question? <laughs> so I kind of, I want to go back to this um, kind of your deployment and not only okay. with the transition from, you, you, you know, you're in a relationship and not right. only are you in a relationship, but there's also a child that is also in this relationship so how Correct. are you able to, I guess, you know, we, we talked about managing the recovery from that first question. How are you able to manage your relationship with such distance and not just distance, but also, I mean, with that work schedule, that doesn't leave much time, you know, to make a call plus, you know, distance and time zone changes and all of that. I mean, how are you able to 
maintain a relationship with such distance? I'm going to, first off, I, the, the fact that you were able to see that makes me really happy because a lot of people don't, don't understand how much hard work that takes. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, the, the way our shifts are over there, at least for my job, um, there's shifts to where me and the girl will actually have to either sacrifice sleep or sacrifice time doing something else to talk to each other. Um, yeah. So a lot of when I'm over there to just continue a relationship um, with my girlfriend and her son, um, it takes it takes a lot. It takes a lot of understanding, a lot of patience, and sometimes it's just not going to be happy. You have to accept that because your loved one is literally on on the other side of the world and you can't do anything. Like you can't call them when you want. You can't talk to them when you want. Our big thing is communication. And there's, there's so many communication barriers that you don't understand if you don't have to go through them. If you live Uh with your loved one on a daily basis and all of a sudden they're gone for a day, you don't know. A lot of people don't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gone for months at a time. So now I've got to, not just me, but we have to figure out how to communicate so everyone is still happy. Um, and that takes a lot of sacrifice from me and her, um, especially when it comes to the son, because I need to keep a relationship with him as well. Um, but between me and her, we have found a way to at least call a minimum of five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we would we would build our schedule around calling each other, um, mm-hmm. and it would. We have both have iPhones, so we would FaceTime, um, nice. which, which makes it a little bit easier because you know you actually get to see the other person. Um, but it's hard because you know she's got a life going on over here. And if I'm at work, then all of a sudden I might have to drop the phone and go do something because the plane's coming back unscheduled. Or, you know, I just got off work and I'm tired because I just had a really hard day at work and I don't really want to talk. And there's a lot that goes into it. And it's not easy, not even a little bit. And when you have so much invested into a relationship of any kind and you've got to deal with the distance distance factor, it's going to take a lot of understanding a lot of patients because you don't know what they're going through because a lot of the things that we go through on a daily basis, we don't even recognize is a big thing until we have to tell someone. And then half the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, we don't even tell the other person who's halfway across the world because it's already over and done with. So what's the point of yeah. talking to them about it? Um, mm. So there, there's a lot of things that you, you just got to accept that's not going to happen. You got to, you got to accept that some things are just going to happen. Like you might just call at the wrong time and they might be in a bad mood and they might not mean to take it out on you, but they're going to take it out on you because you just happen to call at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just takes a lot of communication. That takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of patience. And that's where patience and understanding comes in. And I have found, even though these deployments have been hard since I've been with her, they, it, it is still worth it because yeah. I have never loved someone so deeply in my life. Uh. So 
and that that's a lot for me to say because this I've been in plenty of relationships in my life and I have never like this this what I feel for her to me feels deeper than love like this this is something I I don't even have words to describe love is just the closest thing to it like this yeah. this is something deeper than that words can explain at this point and when you're dealing with something like that, you're going to be able to let some things go that really aren't that big of a deal. Uh. Which, when in a, when you're that far apart from each other, that, that helps a lot because you're not holding things. There's no grudges. There's no throwing stuff back in the other's face. It's just, okay, we're both going through stuff. How do we get through this part of our life? We talk it out. Mm-hmm. We figure out how to deal with it today, and then we'll move on to tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's perfect. Um, all right. I got, uh, one, one last question for you. All right. Um, so, and I'm going to ask this, like, um, I want you to respond kind of like you're talking to anybody out there who's listening and maybe doesn't necessarily feel totally a part of whatever recovery community they're in. So with that, with that being said, um, how important is it finding your own recovery or what, whether it be one of the 12 step programs or like a juggalo type recovery or smart recovery or celebrate recovery, um, or maybe just sort of fusing them all together and taking bits and pieces of what works for you and really having an individualized recovery program how important is that that is the most important thing you can do for yourself honestly Mm -hmm. one thing that aa taught me in way early in my sobriety was take what you want and leave the rest Mm -hmm. Take take what works for you and forget everything else because what works for you is the only thing that matters so You go back to the one of the oldest things that I know is knowledge is power. If take do your research, go to NA, go to AA, go to Smart Recovery, go to Teller Recovery. Just Google recovery and look at all their stuff. All Smart Smart Recovery stuff is online. Go yep. on there and just look. Like there are so many places to find stuff for recovery. Take and build your program. It doesn't have to be. There are no rules in recovery other than stay sober and clean. Uh-huh. Do what makes you happy. One yes. of the things that us addicts in general, we don't know who we are. Mm. Because all we've ever been is our addiction. So build yourself the way you want yourself to be. Mm. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're a juggalo. It doesn't matter if you're a deadhead. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're a Bieber fan or Ariana Grande or fuck. If you, if you love NSYNC and that's all you listen to all your life, I don't give a shit. Find something that works for you. Like, if you, all you do is listen to uh, watch horror, story, uh, horror movies or all you do is watch uh, rom-coms or whatever, it doesn't matter what you're into. Well, all that matters yep. is that's who you are. Yep. Learning to accept who you are is going to be the greatest struggle of any addict. Yep. Any, any, any addict 
who deals with any form of addiction, that's what you're going to struggle with because you think your addiction is who you are. And it's only a symptom of your past. It's only a symptom of something you're going through. Figure out how to heal yourself and be who you are and then love yourself. Mm. That was perfect, man. That was, that was a great. That, that couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Is, is it that time, Eric? Go ahead, David. To the Twitter. Good job. Good job. Woo. Thank you, buddy. All right. So this one today, man, do you guys want a fun one? Or... You can't read it, can you? No, I can. I'm asking, do you guys want a fun one or do you want a more serious one? Let's do a fun one. Okay. Yeah, he just killed one. it. He just ki- Yeah, that last answer, he, he killed it and just <laughs> hit a fucking grand slam. So let's have some fun. All right. So this one is at Lijoko. Joko 84 and uh, the way this works is that Frank you'll answer this first then David then myself and uh, the question is how immoral is it for people to be a 13th stepper oh 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 all right Uh, before before I answer this question, I'm going to admit that I I have done this before, and I was a horrible person for doing it because mm. I fucked up that person's sobriety. Mm. Oh, so with that being said, speaking from experience, I think that is the most horrible type of immoral you can be if you are a 13 stepper. Yeah. Let that person fucking recover and be who they are and learn who they are. And then if you still like them and still want to have sex with them, then fucking do it. Yeah. Stop being selfish. Mm. Yep. All right. That's my um, answer. Quick, simple, to perfect. the point. Yep. Short and sweet. All right. Um, oof. I, 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 I'm, I'm. Hmm. You're guilty. I'm kind of guilty of you're, this. You're guilty. I, I'm guilty. I know not, you. Like very much. Not I can, very much I guilty. I can think. I can think of. Let me see. One. Maybe two people. Three maybe. Two, what two? What three? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no. I don't know. No. Do you need to do another inventory? No. I, it sounds like a story problem to me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think. Need to call my sponsor real quick. Maybe Hold I on. have my timelines <laughs> all messed up. I don't know. Yeah, you 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 have your timelines mixed up. Um, so thirteen stepping a newcomer. Um, I'll, I'll preface mine. I was quote unquote guilty. I had six months clean, and she had just come into the rooms, oh, and. Okay. And it, I didn't, like, hook up with her immediately, but... Um, well, yeah, you had to play it, the it, game, duh. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, <laughs> so, yes, I did 13th Step somebody, uh-huh. but we ended up being in a relationship for, like, our first two years, a very uh, tumultuous, difficult, very um, difficult relationship for all of us. And I mean, like, me and my friends and everybody in our network. So, um, 
it, it's difficult. I think it is wrong, but big but it, it's it's hard. Like I don't think you're like an, an immoral person, but it like it's not fucking cool. But we are people, and sometimes it it works out. Like I know somebody who who like well, technically it's not thirteen step, but they met in rehab. And now they've been married for 10 years and have kids together. So, it, like, it, it sometimes works. I don't recommend it for anybody. Um, and there are predators out there. So anybody who's listening, like, in meetings, like, there are people who prey on newcomers. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, ooh, there's somebody I can manipulate and take advantage of because they're in a vulnerable part of their life. And, like, if you're, if you're doing that, you're fucked up. You're totally yep. fucked up. That is totally wrong. But like, it, if if it just happens, like I, the way I did it, like I didn't, I wasn't praying after a newcomer. It just sort of happened, and then it was a two year relationship that uh, didn't end well. Both of us made it out clean, which was good, and I'm glad it happened because it was part of my recovery, it was part of her recovery, and now we're very great friends. But. um yeah, it, there's no good part to it. Like, is, it, can you roll the dice and possibly come out on top? Yeah. Do I recommend it? No. Do, do I? I mean. I, I'm not vilifying anybody for, for doing it, but I'm also not condoning it. I'm totally you. doing a politician's middle of the road, like, you know. So, that, David. That, that's what I got. But you were still a newcomer. So I, you were still a newcomer too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider that. I was still that, a newcomer too. Yeah, I wouldn't consider that situation a thirteenth step. I mean, yeah. six months you, in, you, know, you already know what a thirteenth stepper is, though. I mean, yeah, I yeah, know what a 13th but eh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you gotta have like some more time before you know. Because yeah. I mean, you haven't really even worked a step. How are you working thirteen? Like, uh, well, yeah, well, you, you I, can't, you, I don't think you can really say that because I worked my, my first nine steps in the first six months I was in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it all so, depends I mean, on who, you, how your recovery is working for you. Yeah. So, I, I, mean, I was still a semi newcomer for sure. Yeah. But she was, she was a brand new newcomer and like, so yeah. I mean, th well, yeah, it's, Take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, wait, actually, no, no, no. I got, my clean date is only four months before hers. They're, yeah, not even. Hers okay. is a beginning, hers is beginning of March, mine is end of November. So it was 90 days apart, and then we didn't hook up until June. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know. That one's uh That's not a thirteenth step. No. What were the no, other steps by the way that you guys had? You and Zach had like What? Didn't you and Zach have steps going all the way up to fifteen or sixteen? Do we have to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> you have piqued my interest. <laughs> I don't I don't want I don't want to talk about this. I I I'm pleading the fifth. All right. All right. Um, it was a different time, Eric. You were less less spiritual back then, right, David? Uh, all right. I was a lot less spiritual. So I guess my answer for this is like, there's, it all comes down to what someone's intentions are. Um, yes. Because if your intentions, 
it's it's about intentions. If if you go into the situation yeah. not planning to like not planning to hook up, not planning to get into a relationship, not planning to, you know, do these do certain things and it just happens. I mean, that's kind of brain chemistry and, you know, just mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know, pheromones and other shit. So I I can't really say that that is immoral because that's just kind of what happened. Uh, but yeah, we're if, human. Yeah, but if you go into a situation where you enter a meeting, someone raises their hand, says they're a newcomer, and your instinct, and you have a few years, like you've worked this, you've worked steps, you've had some clean time, you have a commitment, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. she, she's new. Okay, cool. Like that's fucked up. Like. Yeah, because you're living dirty, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, like you are not oh, practicing yeah. the principles of recovery. Like that's living fucking dirty. Because, um, I mean, you're and we've seen it. Yeah, it's it's about intentions. We we we've seen dudes with twenty years in that's what that's what problem. Oh that, wow, that's what really fucks me. Like that's what I'm thinking of more than anything else. Is those people yeah. with? Oh, like, I know. So, so you I know, know I know what situation you're talking about. Yeah, yeah with, with that definition, I didn't 13 step anybody. I just happened to, you know, be in a, some form of a relationship with someone who had entered recovery. Yeah, yeah. So it was like prior, and then then they joined recovery. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you're not guilty. I I, I mean, I still felt guilty. <laughs> yeah, but a jury would get you off, like lick your foot, dude. You'd be fine. You'd be acquitted. You're fine. I think. Yeah. I, I just think it's it's more about intentions. The glove doesn't fit. Right. Like oh, it's all hundred percent. It's all about I just like OJ'd you. why. Like why did you go in? Like I don't know. It it's you can tell who they are. You can kind of see like yeah, I agree. You know, it's it's just like I don't know. It's it's you're living dirty. Like, I, I mean, yes. yeah. So I'm, I'm not a fan. There, are, there are, there are circumstances, but a, but overall, it's about intentions. Yeah, yep, I agree. Cool. All right. All right. Well, Is that all uh, we got. I think, I think that's all we have. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Well, we would like to thank our guest Frank for joining us. Woo! Thank you. And uh, Frank, we're gonna give you a few minutes. Can you hear my? Can yes. you hear my claps, Eric? I can hear okay, your claps. Good. So, Frank, we're going to give you a few minutes to let everybody know where we can find you, um, where to find more information about you guys on social media, website, etc. So, uh, go ahead. Okay. All right. On Facebook, I have it's Juggalos in Addiction Recovery is the page, mm-hmm. and the group page is actually linked to that page as well. If you just type in Juggalos in Recovery, both of them should come up. Um on Instagram, it's Juggalos in Recovery. On Twitter, it's Juggalos in Repo One, I think. Hmm. Um, let's see. It's Juggalos in Repo One is what they gave me. And then uh, TikTok, I'm on that too. Uh, Sober Juggalo on that. Oh. And then, yeah. And then YouTube is also Sober Juggalo. And you'll see. Uh, on most of these accounts, you'll see a gold picture with an eagle in, outlined in black. Uh, well, a phoenix outlined in black. Um, right. Go on there, hit us up, follow us, do whatever. If you just want to peek around, go right ahead. Um, if anyone needs any kind of help or anything, um, 
go ahead and uh, just message any of the pages. Oh, and I'm also on Snapchat, too. Um, nice. Uh, that one is slightly different than everything else because I use my original one, and that is Shea Butter for Life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like right. it. Um, <laughs> yep, so that that seems to be about all of my social medias. Um you're covering you all the platforms, me, man. I, I, well, if you want to spread the word, you got to do it everywhere. Fucking a. So, uh, go big or go home. That's how I look at it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having you're- me. It, it was great fun. Absolutely. Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and podcast recovery is here to provide it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Like, share, subscribe. Check us out on podcastrecovery.com. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.